0: Vāsudevāya, Om Namo Bhagavate, Vāsudevāya. Oh, my my, bow, bow to the Lord Vāsudeva. I behold Him in all forms. I behold Him in your forms. You know, it may sound strange here. I'm talking to a te- television camera, but I don't see the camera. I see you behind it. I'm really talking to you. Last time, most inconveniently for me, I told a story that I'm going to have to read again because it's a part of my reading today. So forgive me, but you're going to hear the same thing again. And it's a much longer saying this time. It's number 289 from this book, Conversations with Yogananda. During the Korean War, someone asked the Master, do the American soldiers fighting there get bad karma for killing? They are fulfilling their duty as soldiers, the master answered. No, they don't get bad karma for that. This is a holy war. The villain must be defeated, otherwise the whole world might become enslaved. And naturally, if you fight with anger and rage and desire to kill, that's another story. But just the fact of fighting was a good karma. There was more to this story. The Master told a few of us, after that war began, when South Korea was invaded from the North, I myself put that thought in President Truman's mind to go to its defense. That situation was a threat to the whole world. Had South Korea fallen, the Communists would have gone on to take Japan and would then have come up and taken the Aleutian Islands from where they would have invaded Alaska and North America. The whole world have ultimately could have become swept up into the materialistic philosophy of communism. For these reasons, it was very necessary that South Korea be defended. That is why I have called this a holy war. It's interesting to realize that great gurus are also interested in the world. They're interested in the evolution of society. They're interested in the upliftment of all mankind. So yes, they even come into incarnations to help other people. They don't need their own advancement anymore. They're completely liberated. But they come back into this world in different forms in order to help people. As Lahiri Mahasaya, my Param Param guru, uh, my guru said of him that he was in a former lifetime uh, King Janaka, Raja Janaka. He was already a liberated soul. He came into this body to show as a householder in Benares, how you can practice Kriya Yoga, you can be a true yogi even if you're a householder, that it's a matter of your inner freedom, not your outer behavior or your outer stature and and status in life that is important. And so my guru in in other incarnations, he was, uh, well, he was Arjuna, he told us that. He also told us he was William the Conqueror, and you might think, well, what a strange incarnation, but in fact, William the Conqueror had a very important role to play. He was not what historians think. Historians are always sort of pushing off onto their, uh, the people they study, their own faults, their own temperaments. But William was a very noble man, and he, he, his, his mission was at that time to help toward the evolution of this world. He created a country that finally brought unity to the world. Yes, England in the end take, took over India, unfortunate in the long run, but in the, in the short run, but in the longer run, it helped. It was a step toward bringing the whole world into oneness. Well, I could go into that at great length, and it's obviously for me a very interesting subject because, you know, I was brought up thinking of William the Conqueror as one of the great villains. I was brought up under the English school system, and when I discovered that this great villain, was in fact my own guru. It was quite a shock. I did quite a lot of studying about his life. I came to realize that he was a great man. He wasn't what people thought he was. He never missed Mass. One day in his life, he was completely loyal to his wife, faithful to her. And uh, he was very strong, which he had to be. In that age, it was necessary to uh, be or You people would have just walked all over you. So yes, he had to do what he had to do. But I asked him one time, well, sir, does it happen that a a liberated master cannot know sometimes that he's liberated, not be in samadhi? Because honestly, I can't imagine William the Conqueror being in samadhi and going ahead and doing all the conquests that he did. And my guru's answer was very interesting. He said, you never lose sight of the, you never lose your perception that you are free inside. In other words, he may not have had that samadhi at that time, just as Lahiri Mahasaya in this life, even though he had samadhi in other lives. He had to reach the age of 40 when he met his guru, and Babaji, his guru, gave him that touch which enlightened him. My guru is Mukunda. He didn't yet have samadhi. When he met his guru, his guru gave him that samadhi. You might think, well, these liberated souls, um, how come they don't have that that perception that spiritual enlightenment from birth well in a sense they do but also they have to set an example. If he had never meditated, we would not have meditated. He had to show how hard it is to find God. so he had to make that effort. Ramakrishna, he had that when he was born but he wouldn't he wouldn't have been an example to his disciples to meditate intensely if he hadn't had to go through all the steps in order to reach that. And his, his life is a wonderful example because he found that on all these different paths, Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, Vaishnavism, Kali worship, all of these all reach the same and lead to the same goal. But he had to be away from that goal. He had to step down from it still inside. Certainly he never lost that consciousness of his inner freedom. Now, this is a these aspects of the spiritual path are fascinating to contemplate. That you can be free inside and not yet be liberated is also a very important point. The drama that the masters get involved in, in trying to keep this, this planet somehow limping along, and gradually evolving and achieving its perfection, it's interesting. If they didn't come back here we would be pretty sunk they come back and they play roles in the world in order to bring about the gradual upliftment of all society so their purpose is not just the enlightenment of a few a handful of disciples it's also directed to the whole planet people sometimes think that those yogis up in the himalayas who are just meditating that they're living useless lives not so Many of them are very concerned with the upliftment of the whole planet, and they send out vibrations that benefit everybody. As Babaji said, wave-like vibrations come to me from the West and from America of potential souls awakening, waiting to be awakened in God, saints waiting to be awakened. Well, this is the the role that these great masters play. Well, let me go on a little more because it's a very interesting uh, conversation, this one. I was fascinated to hear this intimation that the masters sometimes play an active role in world affairs. That means they are concerned not only with the salvation of individuals but with the spiritual upliftment of humanity as a whole. When Hitler first rose to power, Paramahansa Yogananda, for several reasons, saw some hope in that accession. One of those reasons was the unfairness of the Versailles Treaty, which had forced Germany into virtual destitution. He also said, as he told a few people, that Hitler had been, in a former lifetime, Alexander the Great of Greece, who had shown an interest in the yogis of India when he came here. When Hitler allowed himself to be seized by ambition for power, however, that ambition distorted his potentially, uh, potentially spiritual leanings. At that point, several masters began to work against him. I know that Aurobindo also said that he put, Aurobindo Ghosh, he put the thought in Hitler's mind, and masters told me the masters in general did this, that when Hitler could have conquered England, he put the thought in his mind to divide his fronts. He got that thought, that egotism of omnipotence, and he thought he could win on both fronts and nobody can beat me. But he, bid that by dividing his forces, he was able to be defeated. This was his great mistake. It was his madness. But that madness was put in his mind by great masters. In these ways, too, the masters guide this world. When Hitler allowed himself, at that point several masters began to work against him. The masters always work, however, within the karmic law. Thus they don't try to change the destiny of the world, but work within the karmas of the individuals concerned. They worked, therefore, with Hitler's consciousness as it was. They were at liberty, however, to put the thought in Hitler's mind to make the mistakes that led to his eventual destruction. This suggested to his mind, for example, to divide his forces and fight both in the East and the West, and also he started the Third Front in Africa. This they did by feeding the confidence he felt in his own ability to win everywhere. Militarily, there was no need for Germany to divide its forces. It could have taken one country, then gone on and worked on the other. They had developed their military force when the other countries had not. And as a result, yes, he could have, but he made the mistakes. Karma forced him to. You can't get away from karma. That self-division proved for Germany a fatal error. On the subject of the former incarnations of a few world leaders, it is interesting to note that the master said that Mussolini was Mark Antony of ancient Rome, that Stalin was Genghis Khan, the scourge of Asia, and that Winston Churchill was Napoleon. I once asked my master, who was Roosevelt? He answered, I never told anybody. After a brief pause, he added, I was afraid I might get into trouble. Of Napoleon, he said, he wanted to destroy England. As Churchill, he has had to preside over the dissolution of the British Empire. The divine purpose behind the Second World War was, as my guru said often, to liberate the third world countries, most of which were British colonies. Again, Napoleon was sent into a temporary exile on the island of Elba. Later he returned. Churchill, similarly, was sent out of politics, and now he is back again in power. These are fascinating little insights into the great play of karma and play of the uh, masters working through the world's karma and the karma of the individuals. It's so interesting for us here in India to contemplate the contrast between two types of greatness, because Churchill was a great man, although he was, he was not anywhere near as great as Mahatma Gandhi, and Churchill could not stand Mahatma Gandhi. Well, he had to suffer the destruction of England that he wanted it, therefore he had to sit through it. As Napoleon, he wanted to destroy England. As Churchill, he had to sit through that. And it had to be taken out of his hands, even though he, had, he tried his best to defeat that dirty little beggar, as he called Gandhi. It's a delightful picture to see Gandhi coming into England in his dhoti and just single wrapped cloth around his body. When he went to the king, you all know the story. and. Uh, They were saying, how could you visit the emperor of all this great empire, the king of England? How could you visit him dressed like that? He said, well, his majesty wore enough clothing for both of us. But uh, in fact, it's so interesting to observe these two types of greatness. Churchill was great in a worldly way. Gandhi was great in a spiritual way. And Gandhi seemed to Churchill's worldly eyes just beneath contempt. He wouldn't dress decently. He would not stand up and fight like a man as any incarnation of Napoleon would certainly think of of that as the supreme value. And uh, when he was uh, launched on the career of defending England against Germany, he said, I can promise you only blood, sweat, and tears. But he was a great man in his way. He many... He has many incarnations to go through, I'm sure, before he achieves spiritual greatness, whereas Gandhi may have none, because Gandhi was a saintly man. But you see, the play of life is so complex, it's endlessly fascinating, but ultimately there is one purpose to it all. The great masters come to show us how we can grow spiritually. And so they play their roles in this world, but those roles are not—they're not, um, they're not uh, worldly roles, even though they may have to play the ro- worldly roles. My guru, one time, was the—he he told us he was also. It's interesting how they always have certain similarities. Raja Janaka certainly was not like this clerk in a government English government office in Benares, as he was later on as as uh, Lahiri Mohashai. but he was competent and a good administrator and did his work. My guru was always, he had to have, have a, his role, from all I know, seems to have been that he had a fiery role. Arjuna, William the Conqueror, he told us he was also a, um, a general in, in Spain who helped to drive the Moors out. Well, he, his job at that time, his karmic duty, assigned to him by God and by his own perception, was to liberate Europe, keep India, keep Europe free for Christianity. Not to let Christianity be taken over by another religion. Each religion had its own place. Each religion served its purpose. And the purpose of Christianity was to bring a high teaching. Christ was a great master, and he learned his teachings in India. He came to India during his years um, that were missing in the Bible and he'd learned from different great masters. In fact, my guru explained that the three wise men who came to Jesus when he was in his little crib as a baby were our own line of gurus, Lairi Mahasaya, Babaji, Sri There's a tie here that I can't even go into, but it's something very interesting to contemplate, isn't it? The masters play their role But ultimately, their goal is to help us to get out of this dream. Life is only a dream, and their goal is to help us, inwardly knowing that they are free, to help the dream along so that mankind will finally know that he belongs to God alone. Joy to you.
1: is a dream, time like a stream, carries our burdens away. Divide. sometimes a friend helps us ascend, up from life scarce to the sky, love is a star, though shining afar, it can guide us and help us toward light, to draw nigh dream. Time like a
2: stream carries our burdens away. Never despair, joys everywhere. Love can befriend you today. Free from all Joy and be gay. Often on earth things of great worth, worldly ambitions defy. Sometimes a friend helps us ascend up ah, from life cares to. A star, though shining afar, it can guide us and help us toward light to draw nigh. Love is a star, though shining afar, it can guide us and help us toward light to draw.